This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Now for our teaching time today, we're going to look at the Acts passage, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Now, interesting parallels here. You know, people get excited about some certain things about the Bible, and some people don't get nearly as excited about it. But one of the interesting details here is that this book, Acts, was written by Luke, the physician, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. Interestingly enough, Luke begins the Gospel with the birth of Christ. Luke begins the book of Acts with the birth of the church. That's pretty cool, I think. Now, the background here of this is an interesting story, too, because Jewish men were required to make three pilgrimages a year, or at least try to make them. And they were Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Tabernacles, and this feast we're celebrating today, Pentecost. So they had to do that, which explains why there were so many people in Jerusalem at that time. Now, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. To me, that is a miracle. Why, you may ask, have you ever tried to arrange going out with some people to decide which restaurant you're going to go to and which food you're going to eat? Have anybody ever tried to organize a group of people? Now, that's what to me is so remarkable about this, is it's hard enough to get eight or nine people to decide what kind of food they want to eat, what restaurant they want to go to. Here, there are 120 of them gathered in one place, staying together, being together, orderly, God bless them. Orderly. Praying for the coming of the Holy Spirit. This to me is remarkable. That somehow, by the power of the Lord, Peter was able to organize those folks and have them follow directions. What did Jesus tell them to do? We studied this last week. We just studied this last week. Stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. So, they did that. That too is remarkable because, and why would you say that? Because they followed directions and did what they were supposed to. They stayed in Jerusalem like Jesus told them to. That is remarkable by itself. Any one of us who have struggled with obedience to the Lord knows that that is not some small feat. By being able to follow the directions we're given and do what he says do. Because most of the time we sit around saying, did he really say that? Do I, how do I feel about this? Right? So here they are waiting in the upper room. They're all gathered in one place and then boom, it happens. There they are sitting there and then there's this sound like a mighty rushing wind blowing in and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. 
and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And I want to talk here about the divided tongues. What that means is one of those things was tongues was over the head of each person. It doesn't mean they went to some cosmic cosmetic surgeon and had some funky procedure done on their tongue so that it looks like a, you know, two, a forked tongue or whatever. Now, I've actually seen video of people who did that. You know, they stuck out their tongue, and there's this split right down the middle. And I'm thinking, why did you do that? But that's not what this is talking about. It, the division there is that this mighty rushing wind came in, and one of those rested on the top of each person gathered in that room. Now, what happened? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That by itself, too, is another miracle. Any of you tried to learn a foreign language? How difficult is that to learn to speak another language? Right? Here those guys are, and I think Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there, too. They're all speaking in other languages. So you know that, too, is a miracle. I have trouble enough remembering the Japanese that I learned 20 years ago. My wife will verify that. But here these people are speaking in other languages. And not only that, it must have been something because it drew a crowd. People gathered around that building or wherever it was. And they were listening to this. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And we have this Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene. This is not intended to be a comprehensive list of all the nations in the world. What it is, is an example of all the nations. That list is there to let us know that there were folks from all over in Jerusalem at the time. And so, here all these people are. And they're hearing the apostles and the others. There's 120 of them, remember? And they're all speaking in other languages, but what they're hearing is the gospel message in their own language. That also is a miracle. Have you ever been in some crowded place and tried to listen to somebody speak to you? And you know how hard it is to hear the people who are around you in a crowded building? But here they are, and they're listening, and they're hearing it in their own language. God is cool doing stuff like that. So, some people made fun of them. Yeah, they're filled with new wine. There is always going to be, and I want to make this clear to everyone, if you are trying to do what God wants you to do, there will always be someone who comes along and makes fun of you for it or tries to say, that's not a good idea. You need to do it this way instead. That's what's going to happen. But Peter, as we know, gets up and says, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope. that's not the way it is. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Now, one of the remarkable things here is Critics said that they were drunk. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control, not the loss of it. 
So the example here we need to be att pay attention to is the fact that this was an orderly event. It wasn't chaotic. It wasn't a cluster. It was organized, but it was still remarkable because these people were hearing the gospel in their own languages. So then Peter gets up to speak. If you read through this sermon Peter gave, keep in mind one thing, or two, several things. The first of those is that this is not the complete transcript of everything that Peter said. This is sort of like the highlight reel, if you will. But think about how remarkable this sermon was. It, is it coherent? Is it logical? Is it presented in a way that's easy to follow? See, Peter did that off the cuff, if you will. Peter didn't go into his pastor's study and grab a whole bunch of commentaries and go study about how to write out this sermon. Now, that's not against studying, but he didn't do that. He didn't go into his study for several days with a bunch of commentaries and Bible dictionaries and all that and compile this sermon that he would give on Yes, I know that somehow the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out on this day, and here I want to have a sermon ready. That wasn't it. He just gets up and he starts speaking. He says, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. It's nine in the morning. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Then he quotes from the prophet Joel and this amazing prophecy from that book. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, what do we get from that? Well, first of all, it's still the last days. The last days started when Jesus ascended to heaven. And so we are still in the last days. I have issues with some of my brethren who believe that all of the gifts of the Spirit stopped when the canon of Scripture was assembled together. But Peter here says, quoting Joel, it shall be in the last days. Well, we are still in the last days. So that means, if you read Scripture carefully, that means those gifts, all that stuff, you know, tongues and interpretation and prophecy and all those things, those gifts are still good. They're still available today. God didn't take them back, and there's no place in Scripture that ever says that it's going to be take, those gifts are going to be taken away at some point in time, except when Jesus returns. And that's what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 13. So, we have the gifts of the Spirit, and again, this miracle is taking place. These people are speaking and the listeners are hearing the miracles of God and hearing about the wonderful works of the Lord in their own language. Now, 
what are we talking about here? It means we're seeing that these men and women were filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if any of you have ever been confused about the difference between being filled with the Spirit and baptized in the Spirit. Those are actually two different things. When you get saved, you are baptized in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to you when you are saved and takes up residence on the inside. Being filled with the Spirit is an ongoing practice and process. And we do need to be able to distinguish the terms that are used and frequently confused. In Acts 1.5, Jesus said to the apostles would be baptized by the Holy Spirit, which occurred on the day of Pentecost. Baptism refers to being fully identified with the Spirit and to the initial reception of the Spirit. Paul tells the Corinthians, for by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. We are also commanded to be filled with the Spirit, which means to be controlled by the Spirit. The disciples on the day of Pentecost were not only baptized with it, with the Holy Spirit, they were also filled with the Holy Spirit. While the baptism of the Spirit is a one-time event, being filled with the Spirit happens repeatedly, over and over. You read through the book of Acts and it says, and Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, and Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a, recurring, it's a recurring event. Now, to be filled with the Spirit, we must empty ourselves by confessing all known sin and by dying to self. Is that hard to do? We must yield ourselves fully to the Lord and depend on Him step by step. Being filled with the Spirit is also called letting the words of Christ dwell richly within you. Thus, the filling of the Spirit cannot be separated from God's Word being at home in your heart. The results of a consistent daily walk in the Spirit will be the fruit of the Spirit. And we find, the, we find that in Galatians 5, 22-23. What is it? The fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you have that fruit working in you, you're filled with the Spirit. We need to continually seek to be filled and refilled and refilled. Remember, you were baptized in the Holy Spirit at the time of your conversion, in fulfillment of what John the Baptist said. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. We're baptized in the Spirit when we're saved. We need to, ongoing effort to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that means yielding to the Lord day by day. Doing what God says day by day. Trusting Him day by day. Hour by hour. Minute by minute if need be. We here today in this sanctuary can be like those folks back then. Yield to the Lord. Let Him fill you up. And then go about your ministry. Everyone has a ministry, by the way. It's not just for the mercenaries who are called to be professional preachers. Everyone has a ministry. Do something. Even if it's running the PowerPoint projector. Or getting, making sure our live stream stays on the internet. That's ministry. And everyone has something they can do. 
So let's be filled with the Spirit. And now let us pray that God will indeed do that. Heavenly Father, right now we come to you and ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us up, Lord. Fill us up, Lord. Fill us up, Lord. Because we are hungry and thirsty and needy. We need your Holy Spirit, Father. So pour, out it, pour it out upon us and give us that grace that we need to walk with you in the power that only you can give. Fill us up, Lord. Fill us up. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.Podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living.